welcome to another production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Today your host is Dr. Jan Vidal. She is an educator, author, curriculum designer, and a specialist in neural development. Dr. Jan has spent 20 years encouraging, educating, and inspiring families through her company, Little Giant Steps. So, whether you have a typical, gifted, or struggling learner, these weekly Brain Coach tips will help you discover foundational keys to make learning and life easier through the neurodevelopmental approach. And now, welcome your host for today. Hello everyone, and welcome to this week's Brain Coach Tips. I'm Jan Bedell, otherwise known as the Little Giant Steps Brain Coach. I'm privileged to be here to share the revelation God has given me. Over the past 20 plus years, I've walked with different families on their journey to help their children be all that they were designed to be. I assume that's why you're here as well, so welcome. I ask that you would share this link to the podcast so that other families can get help as well. Our topic for today is understanding foundations of all learning styles. Before we get to the foundation from the neurodevelopmental perspective, I just want to make sure we're all on the same page in understanding what we're talking about when we say learning styles. The definition is a cognitive framework shared by members of any group. In other words, the way people of this group learn best. Learning styles has become a paradigm of many in academia and adopted by most homeschoolers. A paradigm is a theory or a group of ideas about how something should be done, made, or thought about. Basically, if you hear something enough times, you tend to adopt it as your own philosophy or it becomes your paradigm. So when we talk about the paradigm of learning styles, it's basically finding the way a certain individual learns best and then teach everything that you can to that style, whether it's an auditory learner, a visual learner, or a tactile learner. If this has become your paradigm, just like I've been doing in most all the podcasts, I'm going to ask you to think differently about this subject and possibly even have a paradigm shift. Let me tell you why. It's important when we're thinking about this subject to look at the foundation for all learning. You know, everything has to have a foundation to function well. The definition of a foundation is the basis on which something is grounded. It's a good thing to know the strengths of your children. It's also a good thing to know maybe how you learn and do some self-examination there to help you know if you're communicating on the same learning channel as your child is. So those things are important, but I think we really are limiting if we just stick to one learning style. Let me explain what I mean. The foundation in all learning starts with the brain and how well it's organized and how well it's working all that circuitry. So to really unlock your child's learning potential, you have to look at them globally. What we tend to do, because we've bought into this paradigm of learning styles, is we go around the convention looking for curriculum that's focused or geared toward our child's particular learning style. When you're homeschooling, this could make it very challenging when you've got different kinds of learners in your home that you have to teach at the same time. 
Remember, inputting information is what's most important. We've got to get the information into the brain before it can be outputted. If you've listened to some of the other podcasts, you'll recognize that from neurodevelopmental's perspective, the receiving information or getting information in comes through your five senses. You've got your taste, smell, hearing, seeing, and touching. The three primary ways we get information in is by hearing, seeing, and touch. Thus, those three learning styles are the most prominent. If you have open channels or dysfunctional channels, this will influence your learning style. Let's take, for instance, a child that's hypersensitive to sound, and sound really bothers them. So they just learn to kind of shut down their auditory system because it hurts. And then, of course, they would use a visual or tactile system to do their learning because of that influence. So our perspective is let's help the hypersensitivity so that they can learn auditorily as well. If a child has tonal processing issues, like they are hearing, but the brain is not interpreting those tones correctly, and they misunderstand what you say, that can also cause them not to want to use an auditory system. So you can see that the way the brain is functioning really is going to affect their learning style. If there's disruption, it's going to be like a bumpy road instead of a smooth highway, like the information should be going down. If you want to look at the visual system, you have to go all the way back to the developmental stages when the baby is crawling and creeping. This is where they start to develop their eye tracking and their central vision. So if they did not spend enough time organizing their brain at this level, that's part of the foundation, but it even goes further than that by how their eyes are developed. So if a child's eyes are having trouble tracking, bringing in visual information is going to be challenging. So that would probably affect what we term now as learning styles, and they would want to do auditory or tactile kind of learning. So really, you have to look at how the brain is functioning in all these areas. After the brain is organized and it's receiving information well, then it's going to process or have the short-term memory, and then it stores information. That's the basic foundation that we talk about from the neurodevelopmental perspective. But let me ask you to think about this. You know, there's certain things that we believe need to come in and be learned with a particular learning style. Let's take, for instance, a sunset. You can't hear a sunset. You can't feel a sunset. You have to take that information in visually. We believe that math processes, what is addition, what is subtraction, how do you do long division, is a visual way to learn, and it should be brought in through that visual channel because you have each step that you have to remember and see and take into account as you're doing a long division problem. So it's best to bring those processes in visually. Now, MathX, those are more auditory and that's where the information comes in and you see a problem that's six plus two and basically you hear eight coming into your head so it's best to bring that information in auditorily with our rapid recall system that you'll find at littlegiantsteps.com we actually bring in all the learning styles to help with whatever channel is the best and bring it in all those different ways and those math facts just stick but we definitely use that auditory channel most of the time because that's what works the best. Let's think about cutting hair. 
You can hear lectures about cutting hair. You can watch somebody do it so you can take in that auditory and visual information. But unless you really get in and do that haircut, you're not going to learn it. So that's something that needs to be done tactily. This is the paradigm shift I'm going to ask you about considering, and that is they need to be good in all of these areas. And if we just teach to one, we're going to leave them crippled in those other areas. You know, we always do what we do well, and we avoid doing what we don't do well. So this makes it challenging to get any better at those things because we avoid doing them. But if we press in and help our children to be good visually, auditorily, and tactily, then the information that they need to bring in can come in through that best channel, and they'll have the best chance of learning. I'm not the only one that is questioning the learning styles philosophy. When I was doing some research, I ran into this. There's a Professor Stahl who was an education investigator and researcher for the National Science Foundation before his death in 2004. He didn't concur with the theory of learning styles at all. This is a quote from him. Many people mistake learning preferences for learning styles. There is a big difference. So let's think about that. If you have a learning preference, I'd, I'd rather listen to that information to get it in. Is that necessarily your learning style, or do you just prefer taking in information there? And why do you prefer it? That's what we look at. Why would you do that? What's the cause of you wanting to prefer that? Are the other channels not working well, or do you just have a real gift in that area? That's the question. When you're looking at the foundation, you have to consider processing. That's your short-term memory. And of course, you have a better short-term memory auditorily that may influence the way you prefer information coming in, and vice versa if you're visual. What I want to encourage you to do is find the free test kit on either the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network on the sidebar of our page or on littlegiantsteps.com where it says free test kit. Test your children, test all your family, and find out where they are auditorily and visually. And then you've got an idea of what their preference might be because that affects their short-term memory. But you also have tools to be able to get them to the next level in where they may be weaker. Again, a well-rounded learner is going to have a lot easier time in school. This is something I found when I was doing my research too. It seems like we've taken this learning style thing a little too far when we get to this level. So hopefully this will help make my point of, oh, you know, any, any kind of panic that you might feel that, oh, I've got to have this as a tactile learner. Well, there's a researcher, Todd Zacker, and he published this in the, what's called an onion, that's a paper. He said, parents of nasal learners demand odor-based curriculum. I think he wrote a whole article on this. Are you kidding me that they're saying these kids cannot learn unless they take it in through their nose? And so they're going to have to do odor-based curriculum? That's his whole premise. And there's a whole industry, a whole line of products coming out to help these nasal learners. To me, that's taking it a little too far. If you have to take in math facts through your nose, you're in trouble. That nasal learner could definitely use a neurodevelopmental program. We have lots of in-home programs to choose from, 
But the one that's the most basic that gets a lot of these things covered as far as short-term memory, long-term memory, and brain organization is called developmental foundations. You might want to look at that on littlegiantsteps.com. Developmental foundations gives you a track to run on to give activities for these different areas to stimulate the brain so that foundation is built so that they can learn the most efficient way. One of the areas of the foundation that I want to talk about today that I alluded to last week when we were talking about dyslexia is dominance. This has to do with your long-term memory or the storage of information. When you have everything lined up on the same side, your hand, your eye, your ear, and your foot, this helps your organization of your brain and your long-term memory. If you've ever had a child that knew something one day and not the next, this could be the problem. And again, this could influence their learning style. If they're not storing things well visually, they could choose one of the other two. When we're looking at dominance, we always have to start with the hand. The hand is genetic, so you have to look at parents, aunts, uncles, first cousins, and see if there's anybody left-handed in the family. If that's the case, then there's genetics that point to that child may be left-handed. Now, you have to be careful about those relatives because lots of people are what I call closet lefties. They've been influenced to be right-handed when they really genetically should be left-handed. It's very important not to influence the hand. You want to put things at the midline for young children. This is usually determined between the ages of 4 and 8 years old. Just to show you how important this is, I worked with a 15-year-old one time that had struggled all the way through school. Ben was a smart kid. He was applying himself, but he was just really struggling. We found out that his kindergarten teacher told him to use his right hand because it would be easier. Well, he was switching back and forth, so she had to do something because he had to start writing, but she didn't know the importance of not influencing his hand. So it's only easier for Ben to use his right hand if he was genetically right. He struggled all the way through school when we changed his hand, and yes, this happened at 15 years of age, he just started flying. Everything started lining up, and his brain finally was able to relax and go, oh, finally we're going the way God created us to go. So once you're sure about the hand, then you want everything else to line up with the hand. So if the child is right-handed, you want them to be right-eared, right-eyed, and right-footed. If they're left-handed, you want them to be everything on the left. This is going to make for efficient storage and information is going to come out easily. They're going to test better because that information is readily available to them in their dominant hemisphere. If they're not storing things right, it's really inefficient and they just feel like there's a pile of papers behind them and it's written on one of those papers but they can't find it. When you have this mixed dominance, it's a very inefficient and you have problems like inconsistent recall. One day they know it, the next day they don't. There's also other challenges with this. Oftentimes they don't have very much common sense. Their logic is kind of out the window. They're very emotional. They easily get upset and they're hard to calm down. And they don't have access to what they know, especially when they're under a testing situation. So they don't test well. But even if they're really smart and they know the material, it's not working well for them. 
Now let's look at how you can tell about the dominance of your children. Again, we said we've got to start with the hand. One way you can look at this is if you've got one viewer, like in a camera or a kaleidoscope or something like that, you ask them to look through it and they put it up to their eye. Which eye do they put it up to? That's near point. You can also look at far point dominant. This is real easy to tell. Get a paper towel tube and stand across the room from your child. Have them hold it with both hands, kind of at their midline, and hold it arm's length away so they're looking through the tube, but it's not right against their eye. So they're looking through that tube, and you can look right down that tube and see which eye they're using. Now try this several times. Have them bring it down, bring it back up, bring it down, bring it back up. And of course, both eyes have to be open. They can't wink one eye while they're doing this for an accurate test. So you'll be able to tell right away whether the eye is matching the hand that is dominant for your child. Now, there's something that you can do to fix this. You can change eye dominance. And we're going to talk more about that next week when we talk about shoring up the foundations. But let me just give you an example of what would happen if you had a mixed dominant eye. The child was right-handed, right-eared, right-footed, but their eye was left. This is going to cause visual long-term memory issues. And they'll probably prefer one of the other channels because that one's not working efficiently. Now to test for ear dominance, what you're going to do is have somebody whisper on the other side of the door. Have the child squared up, you know, shoulders square with the door and about eight feet away and have them walk to the door and see if they can hear it. You're just going to say to them, put your ear on that door and see if you can hear what they're saying over there. Try that several times, back them up, have them go back and do it, have back them up, have them go back and do it, and see which ear they put to the door. Sometimes they might listen with the right ear, sometimes with the left ear. That means they're mixed ear. And sometimes their auditory information is going to go to the right place, and sometimes it's not. Something that you can do to change this dominance is put an earplug in the ear opposite the hand. So if they're using their left ear, but they're right-handed, you can put an earplug in their ear all waking hours, but not at night. You want to make sure it comes out at night so that air is out and there's no moisture in there that might cause any problems. This, over time, will tell the brain, oh, this isn't working too well. I need to use the other one. And it will actually switch the dominance. Are you starting to see how the foundation is so important for choosing learning preferences or learning styles. If the hand and eye and foot are right, but the ear is left, that might cause them to be a visual learner because you can't remember if you're given something auditorily. Now, if you have both eye and ear that are opposite to your hand, then you're probably a tactile learner and you're gonna have a lot of trouble with your long-term memory. I'm gonna go ahead and give you the way to test for foot dominance but it doesn't really affect academics that much. It just has an indicator of the disorganization of the central nervous system. Basically, it's which foot do they kick with and which foot do they hop on. So you can ask them, kick the ball several times and just watch if they're kicking with one dominant foot or have them hop on two feet, have them hop on one foot, have them hop on two feet. And when they go to one foot without you telling them which one to go to, that's typically the one that they are dominant with. They may stand on one particular foot. That's going to show their dominant foot. 
So the question is, can you help your child be more well-rounded in learning pathways? The answer, absolutely you can. You can help them be good in all of these areas so they can take in information the best possible way for each different thing that they want to learn. If you would like to have more information about helping your child be a more rounded learner or overcome learning challenges, you may want to start with the survey that we have on the littlegiantsteps.com website. With some information about your specific situation, we can direct you to the right resources. From the home page, select Our Services, and in the right column, you'll find Free Survey. Just turn that in and we'll get back with you about how we can help you the best. As we come to the end of our time together today, my prayer is that this important information encourages you to stay tuned to the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network for more Brain Coach tips to make life and learning easier. Next week, we'll go into more detail about stimulating the brain to shore up all those learning styles. For now, it's the Brain Coach signing off and reminding you that neurodevelopment is a dynamic approach to life. So think differently. The solution is not in the problem. Thank you for your time and attention. We hope and pray you'll return next week for another session with Dr. Jan Bedell, the Brain Coach. The ND Approach for Life is a proven program to increase learning performance naturally. Little Giant Steps is there for you. If you have questions for the Brain Coach to incorporate skills and techniques taught in our podcast, please email cj at littlegiantsteps.com. That's C as in cat, J as in joy, at littlegiantsteps, all one word, dot com. So until next time, may the good Lord bless and keep you. Thank you.